Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Cooper, and host Hunter Hyman. He's kind of remote today. Hunter, are you still out there, man, floating around in cyberspace or whatever? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. I'm glad to be here and uh, ready to go with today's show. So You, you bet you. Are you over on the Huzals? That's where, you, where you're at right now? Yeah, I'm on my farm right now. Um, just been working a lot on the road and uh, wanted to get home a little early today and enjoy my view out the window while talking about what we're going to be talking about today, and yes, it's on the Hoosaw River. I've got 62 acres in my personal house and a in a barn here, and wow, uh, it's been good. Been here for about three years now. Living the dream, huh? Living the dream. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we need to do a quick uh, turkey season recap. You know, the Missouri turkey season just wound up, lasted three weeks, and there were forty, uh, almost forty-two thousand birds killed. Pretty impressive. You know, for all the talk about there not being any turkeys around, of course our turkey numbers are down, but that's certainly within range of, you know, the 10-year average for sure. And uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, Hunter, but, boy, I saw a lot of big birds, mature birds, you know, posted on Facebook and all, a lot of 24, 25-pounders killed. One kid up in North Missouri killed a 27-pounder. Now, those are probably all three- or four-year-old birds. It's uh, good to see those, particularly see the kids kill them. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard a, a lot of gobblers and, and everything. It seems like they were pretty active this year. But as far as my luck goes, it <laughs> wasn't very good. Um, you know, my dad came home, and the first day we hunted together, we went out on a spot, and uh, it was so windy in the morning, we just couldn't hear anything at all off the roost. So we just picked a a field <clears throat> kind of in the direction that we have been hearing them in the past and uh, and set up and sat there maybe for 45 minutes. And we were just like, this is crazy, you know, 20, 30 mile an hour wind. We're like, this ain't going to be no good. So uh, we walked down the hill and on, my, on the way down the hill, I heard one sound off about 100 yards away and we uh, went in the woods and sat down on the edge of the field and they were like down in the field on the other side. And we sat down and called one time and two birds sounded off that time. And they came in like on a string uh, about as picture perfect of a Turkey story as you could imagine. Granted, I think it was kind of luck because we just were hey, in luck, the right spot. Luck right counts. Time. I'll take it anytime, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we, uh, anyways, they came in and, they were on dad's side and I couldn't swing over <laughs> but he did not see the so 
Oh, well, at least you got it done, man. I didn't, of course, I didn't get to hunt much because of medical situations going on, of course, in the middle of turkey season, but at least I got that taken care of. Did get out some. Had one morning, had five on the roost, roost man, probably 100 yards away. Thought it was going to be the easiest hunt ever. Well, I heard them fly down, and the next time they gobble, they're 100 yards away the other way and leave, leaving fast, you know. But I did go out the last Saturday morning and struck uh, – one up that came a long ways but he was off the property i was hunting so i was trying to pull him off of another farm and uh probably worked that bird for an hour and then caught some movement in the underbrush you know he's that shotgun up boy just waiting for that bird to step out and stepped out and it was a hen hen showed oh, up no. <laughs> hen showed up but the gobbler didn't you know now right. now to give you know, credit where credit's due. That, that gobbler was still out there and probably wasn't too far off, but I had obligations that morning and had to leave. You know, and that was only like, gosh, I want to say 8 o'clock in the morning. So quite often, you know, when I'm able, I've stuck it out with birds like that, maybe 11 o'clock or noon, and those gobblers will show up. I heard a lot of stories like that this year, guys killing uh, turkeys late in the morning simply because they were sticking with them. Sometimes it's just what it takes. But, uh, you know, Ralph Duran, you know, the guy, the wild animal sounds guy, Ralph posted on Facebook, Ralph has killed a lot of turkeys, been a uh, turkey calling champion or gobbler champion or something, uh, but well-known, you know, worked for the conservation department for 30 or 35 years, was a wild animal sounds specialist. But Ralph claimed that uh, he heard more gobbling this year than he's ever heard in his life. And Ralph was old, so he's heard a, he's heard a lot of goblin in his time. So it was a, a pretty good season for lots of folks. But uh, hey, I guess you and I are still eating bologna. Did your dad share the turkey with you? Have y'all had turkey dinner yet? Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> that one that he harvested. We went ahead and uh, fried some of that up and uh, um, ate that, and and it was sure good. And then I had crappie from a week or two before, and we did them together and. It was good. So, boy, you know how to add insult to injury here. I haven't had either one lately. All my turkey hunting <laughs> buddies, nobody invited me over for turkey turkey dinner. You know, hey, I'll remember yeah. those guys. You know, <laughs> we, we didn't do so good in Missouri, but we uh, <clears throat> decided to take a little trip to uh, Nebraska out of Arapahoe and hunted with an outfit. And uh, it's called Hunt Nebraska Inc. And they've been open for a long time. And we hunted there and had a very good time. Um, we were, I think we hunted for three full days and we uh, had killed three Rios. Wow. Um, in that three days, you can kill two, two per person. And uh, the rules are a little bit different. You can't kill, you know, two in, in the same day. And I believe that's. Uh, in Missouri, you can as long as it's after the first week, right? But you can't you can't do that there. So uh, we we probably could have. Um, and you can hunt past one o'clock there. You can hunt till uh, dark. Oh well, that give I can make for a long, long, long day. So well, it sounded like you guys had a great, great time out there. But I was a little shocked back here in Missouri. Uh, you know, the three leading counties were Osage, Franklin, and Callaway, and we're in yeah. you know Phelps and uh, Crawford uh, County. So we <laughs> we were surrounded by lots of turkeys. Just uh, you and I didn't score. Uh, 
I'm going to hate it when I meet up with your dad again. He's probably going to rub that in just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's okay. I'd, I'd rub it in his face if I kill one and he didn't, so I guess I deserve it. You know? <laughs> There's been a lot of years he hasn't killed anything. You've killed birds for as long as I can remember, every year. Well, I miss a year every, every now and then. In fact, I didn't I didn't kill a bird here in Missouri last year. I uh, I missed one at, like, nine yards it was a little it was it was a little close uh a turkey kind of snuck up on me i was working on a big gobbler you know and they were leaving a little bit so i man i'm belly crawling through the woods to get up behind the brush pile and i started to ease up take a look well there's a jake and a hen walking right straight towards me and they're 15 yards and coming fast i thought well it's late in the season i'm gonna kill this jake so i raised up to let him have it, you know, kind of a quick shot. And my sling on my shotgun hung up on a on a limb in that brush pile, and I was, kind of, I was all jacked up for, for a couple of seconds. And then I shot and missed at nine yards, and I was so dumbfounded. I'm standing there watching the turkey run off. Plus, I usually hunt with a semi-auto, and I picked up a pump that morning. So I'm standing there pulling the trigger, you know, trying to get that second shot. And it never dawned on me I needed to pump that gun to get the second shot. So it was a to- totally fouled up deal. I think, Hunter, what I need to do, uh, I had an article in the Fifth County Focus April 27th called Turkey Hunting Mistakes and Why They Beat You. I'm going to have to reread my article here. <laughs> Take some of my own advice, you know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, here's one. I'm going to see if you've heard about this. Uh with the declining turkey populations across the country, a number of states have closed their fall turkey seasons for 2023, including Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. Did you hear any talk about that while you were out there? No, I, I didn't. I did not hear him talk about that, although I did find out that they have a bow season uh, in the spring right before their shotgun season, which I found pretty interesting. I did learn that, but did not hear anything about the the fall season um, not being a thing anymore. Well, some people are concerned about the impact that that will have on Missouri because we're not closing our season. And I suspect that, you know, a lot of folks are going to be disappointed because they can't fall turkey hunt in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, so they may drift over to Missouri. But our state turkey biologist doesn't seem too concerned about it. Our numbers are still uh, still pretty good. And fall turkey uh, hunting has become such a almost a non-existent thing. There's so few p- people that turkey hunt in the fall in, anymore, that, and there's so few turkeys killed. Sometimes, wow, I think it's been less than 10,000 that uh, – in the last few years, uh, some guys may correct me on that, but I'm just almost sure that's that's correct. So it's uh, it's a, a minute number of turkeys that come out in the fall. Of course, bow hunters pick up a few of them too, and you can't blame those guys. I'd hate to see the turkey season go away because it, it's pretty nice if you're sitting on a fall bow hunting stand and you're hunting whitetails, but a big old gobbler comes along. It's nice to be able to fling an arrow at him if you want to. You yeah, know. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep, I've done that a few times. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you guys, wow, I hate to let the cat out of the bag here, but I'm going to tell on you a little bit. You know, you guys have been running all over the country, been in Nebraska, and you're getting ready to leave to go to Oregon for a bear hunt, but we're not going to talk a lot about that till you get get back. So I'm going I'm to hope that you have a better luck bear hunting than you did 
with your Missouri turkey season. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> have you ever eaten bear? I have a little bit. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. I, I have a great bear recipe, man. Uh, I can, uh, take a bear roast and just do wonders with it. It'll melt in your mouth better than the finest roast beef. Uh, you've, you've ever eaten, man. So y'all get a boatload of them. Come back. Okay. I'll help you cook. <laughs> I'll help you eat. All right. I'm a, I'm a good Sounds guy. Good. I'm a good guy. I'll help you eat too. Hey, yeah, actually, actually bringing Lucas for the, you know, he, this will be his first trip up there and I'm hoping to get him his first bear and then turkey season till the end of May. So hopefully we can get him a bird too. Awesome. Yeah. You need to indoctrinate him into the family traditions, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> Lucas is a great guy, but he, he could be greater, you know, particularly if he becomes a deer turkey hunter and a bear hunter wow i'll be i'll be be impressed well uh this is not big game but uh hey next thing coming up on the agenda is the agenda here in missouri is uh missouri squirrel season that's also black bass season starts saturday may 28th that's just a few days away and uh man that's one of the things i really look forward to used to more and I do now, but I used to make an annual trip, you know, get out on one of the rivers, float down an Ozark stream, man, and catch some smallmouth. Of course, I, I don't keep them, so it doesn't really matter if it's season or not. I can catch them out of season and, and uh, release them just like I do during the season. But it, it's fun, man, to pack along a, a little shotgun or a twenty-two, you know, and hit the woods for a squirrel hunt. And... Oh, I, I got photographs I'll have to show you sometime, Hunter, of a trip I made on a big piney two or three decades ago and uh, caught some smallmouth, released them, caught some goggle eye. Sorry, they went to the frying pan, as did the <laughs> squirrel, man, for breakfast one morning. is young, tender gray squirrel. I killed a couple of them. Man, I had fried squirrel. I made biscuits and gravy right there on a riverbank. And, there you go. Hey, yep. I ate like a king for a couple of days, man. But uh, with the squirrel season, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you're allowed to kill them with all kinds of things, rifles, pistols, shotgun, archery methods, slingshots, animals. And how, what's, the, what's the limit on those now? Isn't it 10? 10 with Earth? a possession limit, uh, limit of 20. But here's one I'd never heard of before, but you can also trap squirrels with a cage-type trap. They have to be a certain size. You'll have to look the regulations up for that. But I thought that's pretty cool, trapping squirrels. Huh. I, I yep. tried to. I think I'd rather shoot them. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> favorite ways to go is uh, I have a Browning Buckmark uh, twenty two with a red dot scope on it. Pretty mm-hmm. keen, pretty keen with that thing. I've shot a lot of squirrels in the head with that little twenty two pistol. Great fun. <laughs> and and let me tell you, if you haven't done this, you need to do this. Put this on your bucket list. A hunting and fishing camp for squirrels, you know. Squirrel hunting and fishing. It's hard to beat, man. It does sound fun. Oh, that's awesome. Get to I've, I've never done I've never done that one, but I've uh out here at my farm I got a lot of forest service roads and <clears throat> had a buddy out uh late last winter and we went and uh we got into them pretty good and uh it is a blast. They're just kind of an action packed hunt and you can walk around and move a little bit and or just go sit and in a good area and plink away at them it's a fun time oh it really is it's so easy to do if you get a chance 
take a kid where you give them a chance to get started hunting. That's a great way to start. Now, I shouldn't tell everybody this, but uh, Hunter, here's a little trick my dad used to use. My dad used to love to call squirrels, and he could do mm-hmm. it with his mouth, chatter like a squirrel, but he also would take two quarters, take the serrated edges and grind them together, and it sounds like a squirrel cutting on a hickory nut. Cool little trick. Huh. Yeah, he'd get yeah. a lot. He'd get a lot of them run out on limbs, you know, to take a look. Well, they you got hit in the face with a load of sixes or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. What have you, you ever been? You ever done it with a dog? Yes, yes. In fact, uh, when I was a kid on the farm, I had a. He was a Heinz fifty-seven dog. He was about a half beagle and had a little collie and different things. Then he was he was kind of a big beagle, tan and white, but tan and white. But that dog would run rabbits. And uh, tree squirrels as well. Yeah, great fun with a dog. In fact, I've, I've got a little dog here. I'm thinking about taking squirrel hunting. She's uh, not really, I don't know if she's a hunting breed or not, but she loves to chase them out, out in the yard and everything, and she'll tree them. So I may take her out in the woods and give it a try. Hope she doesn't run off. My wife will really be mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But squirrel hunting at bass fishing doesn't get any better than that. Hey, one last thing here, man. Uh, I, I, we're going to run out of time here. But did you hear about the record lake trout that came out of Gunnison, Colorado? Now, lake trout. Now, wrap your head around this. 73.29 pounds. A lake oh, trout. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if, if, if it would have had short legs, I'd have called it a pig. <laughs> Yeah, no. no this thing was four foot long. I forget the diameter. It looked like guy had a tough time getting his arms around it. But a Scott Enlow uh, fished on Blue Mesa Reservoir. Now, Blue Mesa is known for big trout. And this was the first day the lake was open. The ice just melted off out there. And But Scott and his son had gone out that morning. They were third person to put in the, the lake. And his, uh, Scott, his son scored first. He caught one a little over 30 pounds. Uh, and then they saw something on their fish finders, and his son says, well, Dad, that's two big trout. Well, they fished for it and caught it. It was a 73-pound trout. New world record, maybe. Now, get this. The guys, being the outdoorsmen they were, they photographed fish, weighed it on their scale, uh, measured it, all that stuff, and released it alive. Officially, wow. they're, they're supposed to have weighed it on, you know, uh, conservation department scale for an official weight so they may or may not be awarded the world record but they didn't seem too concerned about it great guy but can you imagine that a 73 pound trout no you'd have to you'd have to like bear hug it to, yeah to get really well the f- former world record was caught like 30 years ago in uh, great bear lake uh i think that's in ontario i know it's in canada by lloyd mm-hmm. bull uh, that was 72 pounds. And, and get this, so the color, previous Colorado State record also came out of Blue Mesa, 50 pounds, uh, two ounces. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. That's crazy. I can't imagine catching a trout that big, but huge, man. But, you know, in my world here in the Ozarks, I've been catching lots of uh, pond and lake uh, bass, largemouth, bluegills, I mean, much bigger than my hand. I'm, I'm talking 11-inch bluegill. Uh, look like they cover a dinner plate. I think I'm going to. Huh. 
I'm, I'm going to have a dinner here right away, and uh, Big Bluegill going to be the guest of honor, I think. But, <laughs> yeah, I usually do uh, uh, one to two nice uh, bluegill fishing trips just to farm ponds every year and do a fish fry. I, that, and they're, they're fun to catch. They're just one after the other, usually. But every now and then you catch a day where they might be a little picky, but most of the time you can catch the heck out of them. Oh, you can. They're, they're bedding up right now in the lake I fish. You can see them pretty easy, and I can't wait to get back out there. We've been catching a few of them on ultralight spinning rods, but I'm ready to break out the fly rod with uh, you know some black nets, some sinking flies, and pretty soon, uh, well, probably would work now. I'd take some tiny poppers and catch them on the surface. Of all the fishing I've done in my lifetime, I still one of my favorite ways to fish another tip and uh i can sell you some of these hunter i've got a good supply of them but the best hook hook disgorger on the face of the earth is a popsicle stick well these bluegill they got little bitty mouths just take that popsicle stick and cut you a little v-notch in one end hold your line tight run that popsicle down in and get it on the hook pop that thing right out of their mouth you know really easy as pie yeah easily done Save your popsicle sticks. You still eat popsicles, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, a lot of the ones that I eat come in those little plastic things that you cut open with a scissor. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to change your habits, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, give, give your dad a supply of popsicle sticks for Father's Day. Go ahead and put Sounds the, good. Go ahead and put the notches in them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hunter, man, it's been great fun, but we've talked a long time here. People are probably tired of listening to us. But, folks, uh, hey, Hunter Hyman and I are enjoying our outdoor dreams. He really is. He's been all over the country this year. I'm a little bit behind. I'm going to have to play catch-up. But we encourage you to get outdoors and enjoy your outdoor dreams. I'm Bill Cooper. And I'm Hunter Hyman. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Welcome to Huzal Valley Resort, providing family fun since 1979. They offer floating, and you can choose from canoes, rafts, kayaks, and inner tubes on the beautiful, crystal clear Huzal River. Lodging, let us be your home away from home. Choose from a variety of lodging units while still enjoying the great outdoors. With over two and a half miles of river camping on the crystal clear Huzal, we're sure you and your family will find the perfect spot to pitch your tent or park your RV. Have fun and let us help you get the most of your stay. Check out our guided trail rides and Karen's Cafe menu. There's something for everyone at Huzal. There's a campground store on site that has everything you need for your trip, whether you're in need of gear, grub, or something else. Chances are they've got it. And their campground has RV sites and primitive sites for all your camping needs. If you like the adventures of camping with a cozy bed at night, we have a variety of different lodging units to choose from. But who's all valley? There's always something going on out there. Check them out on Facebook, or if you want to make a reservation, simply call 1-800-367-4516. Hi, guys. Rick Day with the Cowtown USA. Here from Cowtown USA Superstore these days. And, and you might say, what do you mean, Rick, Superstore? Well... Pretty much whatever you want to do outside, we sell, we service, and we service everything we do sell. We've got, uh, for this year, new lines of tractors. The slogan is selling you red tractors. 
saving you some green cash. We've got Yanmar tractors uh, that are coming out of Houston. We got uh, Mahinda tractors that are coming out of Georgia. We've got all the equipment as far as tillers, rakes, buckets, cutters. We've got it all to go with them. We've got some great financing. I know financing stupid now, but the manufacturers are offering some zero interest and some rebates, you know, so there's some choices to be made in there. We've got Can-Am, ATVs, UTVs, and, and that's as low as 1.99. Then we've got the Can-Am Spiders out there for you. We've got Can-Am Rikers. We first started doing Can-Am 25 years ago. Nobody had ever heard of them. Now everybody understands that they are the best equipment on the market. We've got that, and for the first time in a couple of years, we have got some choices for you. So, but, but that won't stay that way. If you want something for this spring and something that you want to ride this summer and this fall, you need to get to Cowtown USA, that's for sure. Then we've got uh, the, the marine side of this. We picked up Mercury. We picked up Suzuki. We've been Legend SS for 25 years, which, in my opinion, is one of the best aluminum uh, jet boats on the market. We picked up Blazer boats the other day, another all-welded boat. We've got some of those in inventory as well. And and here now for the sixth year in a row, we are Missouri's number one horse trader dealer. We are Murhouse number one horse trader dealer nationwide. But we've got Murhouse, we've got Lakota, we've got Calico, we've got Bayos flatbed trailers. I mean, guys, we pretty much are, well, the sign says Superstore. So you can come here and shop. Whatever you want to do, we can do. Uh, so give us a call here at Cowtown, 573-885-6300. CowtownUSAINC.com is our website. But give us a call at 573-885-6300. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Darling with the Conservation Federation of Missouri. CFM is a nonprofit organization with the goal of ensuring conservation of Missouri's wildlife and natural resources and preservation of our state's rich outdoor heritage through advocacy, education, and partnerships. Our organization was started in 1935 when a group of concerned sportsmen came together to discuss the state of conservation in Missouri. They left that meeting with the goal of creating a science-based, non-political conservation agency that wouldn't be subject to the whims of state legislators. They worked to get the issue added to the ballot, in which the citizens of Missouri overwhelmingly voted in support of the creation of the Missouri Department of Conservation and the Conservation Commission, which supervises it. Today, CFM still works in the Capitol building to protect Missouri's natural resources from political attacks. We also work to educate Missouri citizens on the abundance of natural resources our state has and facilitate a network of conservation-focused nonprofits throughout the state. You can become a member today by visiting confedmo.org slash join. Members, mem- membership includes voting rights for our elections and resolutions, a subscription to our bi-monthly magazine, and more. Again, to learn more about the work CFM is doing today and to become a member, visit ConfedMode. It's time for Conservation Notes with Missouri Department of Conservation Deputy Director Aaron Jeffries. 
Hi, this is Aaron Jeffries with the Missouri Department of Conservation. Hey, I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about conservation areas here around the state. How many of you all knew that you had 1,000 conservation areas for you to explore, to hunt, to bike ride, to camp and, and enjoy? 300 boat accesses, 70 public shooting ranges, 15 nature centers, and hundreds and hundreds of miles of biking and hiking and horseback trails here in the state would encourage you to go online, download the Mo Outdoors app that will provide you access, or go to the department's webpage, mdc.mo.gov, and look up for a conservation area close to you so you can get out and enjoy the great outdoors. Steve Stoltz is a world-class turkey hunter. Here's this week's turkey hunting tip. Hi, I'm Steve Stoltz with Woodhaven Custom Calls, Mossy Oak Camouflage, and Drury Outdoors. My turkey hunting tip for this week is pay attention to the spitting drum. And I learned a long time ago, back when I was a young boy, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to work and hunt with a guy by the name of Eddie Moyers in southeast Missouri. And Eddie Moyers was famous for his turkey hunting skills back then. His dad hunted turkeys uh, back when the season first started. And in fact, Eddie was one of the first ones to ever check a turkey in during Missouri's first spring turkey season in the early 60s. And Eddie taught me to listen for that spitting drum. Use that spitting drum to your advantage of being able to hear it. Some people can't hear the spitting drum because the Hertz level is at a level that, that they can't hear it. But it kind of goes like this. I'll do my best job of imitating it. So a lot of times what you hear is that back end. That, and if you listen for that in the morning, if you can hear that in the roost, uh, if you're hunting a turkey, you know he's there. And he's not goblin. He's silent. But you can hear that spitting drum. He's close. And you want to, uh, of course, call as if he's there. Because if you can hear the spitting drum, he is there. And you don't have to necessarily have to gobble to pinpoint his location. The other thing is when they hit the ground, they're constantly spitting and drumming. So pay attention to that spitting drum. If a gobbler is answering and then he shuts up and he's quiet for a long time, be listening for that spitting drum. He could very well be right on top of you, be coming in and not gobbling, and that spitting drum is the only thing that gives off his location. So pay attention to the spitting drum. It'll add to your success, and that's my turkey hunting tip for the week. I'm Steve Stoltz. Captain Brian Wilson runs one of the tightest boat fishing operations in the business. Stainwater Boat Fishing operates out of Jerome, Missouri and the beautiful Missouri Ozarks. They cover most Ozark streams and lakes. You haven't lived until you've searched Ozark waters during the night with Stainwater Boat Fishing while looking for giant gar, carp, and buffalo. Captain Wilson also runs a second boat on Tanicomo Lake. Call today to book a trip with Stainwater Boat Fishing at 573 573- Two six three eight zero one six. Again, that's five seven three two six three eight zero one six. Be sure and shoot straight. Hey, if you're looking to go bass fishing. 
Fishing in the Lake of the Ozarks. Look no further than Big Ed's guide service right there on Lake of the Ozarks. Big Ed Franco has been fishing on Lake of the Ozarks most of his life and has been guiding for almost two decades. I've fished with Big Ed and had a great time. He's a lot of fun and certainly knows where the bass live. You can call Big Ed to make a reservation at 573-692-6710 or go to BigEdsGuideService.com. And on the flip side of his business card is Bass and Baskets. That's a bed and breakfast that he and his wife, Deb, also run right on the banks of Lake of the Ozarks. You have a beautiful place to stay, great meals, beautiful outdoor decor, and you can walk right out the front door, get on Ed's bass boat, and head out to fish. You can call for the bed and breakfast at 573-692-6737 or look them up at BassandBaskets.com. The Live in the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Live in the Dream Outdoor Properties, The Fly Rod Journals, SmokerBuilder.com, Cowtown USA, Westover Farms, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, Stained Water Bowfishing, Scenic Rivers Guide Service and Tours, Huzzah Valley Resort, Pico Lures, Devil's Backbone Outfitters, The Fallen Outdoors, Ledco Sinkers and Lure Company, Turnbow Outdoors, J&J Charters, Kaufman Cove, Alaska, Big Ed's Guide Service, Bean Creek Game Calls, Misty Mountain Guide Service, ASO Guides and Outfitters with Ryan Walker, On the Hook TV, and Rich's Famous Burgers. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog, the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. 